everyone to the Grainmaker Wrestling Podcast, a Prairie Proud Wrestling Podcast covering everything from Winnipeg to worldwide. My name is Blair Pacheco. I hope you're doing well. hope you're having a great day. It is very early and I'm recording this intro because I have terrible time management skills. I don't. It's just been a very busy week and this has been some of the only quiet time to be able to take the time and record this and do this so it's just been busy so uh yeah bright and early thursday morning i'm recording an intro and outro but this week on the podcast i was joined by jared thumb jared is a graduate of seth rollins's black and brave academy wrestles predominantly in iowa um for a couple promotions there and uh you know what we talk about uh training at black and brave what that's like we talk about uh a few uh a few you know, pretty big matches he's had with uh, feuds versus Jason Paul, um, tagging with Rory Fox against JT Energy and Damian Saint. We talk about those feuds. He gets into it. Uh, we also talk about um, some health scares. Uh, Jared had, he's had to deal with a few, uh, had to deal with something, you know, very important that has touched many people. So he gets into that, talks about that, and he shares his feelings about it. But, uh, Fair warning that this podcast, there is quite a bit of video glitching or audio glitching throughout. I did my best to clean it up, but there was only so much I could do. So fair warning that there is some glitching throughout, but I hope that you will bear with us. Just get through it because Jared has a fantastic story to tell so far, and I'm very excited to share it. So without further ado on the Grainmaker Wrestling Podcast, Jared Thumb. So let's start at the very beginning. What was your earliest recollection of wrestling? Where did it all begin for you? Well, funny thing is, um, when wrestling first started for me, I was born in 97. So obviously Attitude Era starting to kick off and my mm-hmm. family really big into watching then. And uh, that's right when Stone Cold Steve Austin was starting the skyrocket to the complete top mm-hmm. and we were you know they would always buy the pay-per-views everybody put some money together and buy a pay-per-view and i was a little baby so i'm raised around this whole crowd of we watch wrestling we watch this we watch that oh yeah undertaker rock you know all of yeah. it so like i'd say it started when i was in diapers but the first recollection of like, you know, figuring it completely out is when I had a VCR tape called Hell Yeah, the Stone Cold Steve Austin home video. Yeah. was a good there too. I mean, <laughs> that's kind of where it first started and continued watching as a kid. And, and my parents first noticing that like how we figured out Steve Austin, my favorite wrestler, I was like, you know, a toddler and I'm watching the TV and I kid you not, I'm mimicking a lot of what Steve Austin is doing. Mm -hmm. Like one time when I, I think they told me the story, 
There was one time when I'm a toddler, just sitting in a chair, and they're like, oh, yeah, we'll get so cold, Jared. And then me as a toddler, I think I gave a kid, uh, an adult the bird once. <laughs> they're like, wow, we need this favor. <laughs> you know, I, I remember that VHS because I know I had it, and, like, I've got a few years on you. And even at my age, I wore that thing out to no end, just going over and rewatching it because some of Austin's biggest moments, like when you'd hear the glass shatter and like SummerSlam, when it, that pane of glass would drop and he'd walk through that, like it was so cool. Yeah. Like, Oh my God. Like that VCR tape, just like them piling it all together, all in one. And then like knowing all the stories coming up to it and seeing it all play out it's like dude there's no one that can stop this guy Mm -hmm. like man it wasn't even just that one either and i was a kid this is a couple years later they got the awesome 316 uncensored one Mm -hmm. and i watched that one too and i didn't know like what it had entailed, but then I see Steve Austin swearing all over the place, and I'm like, that's stone cold. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're watching these as you know, a toddler growing up, you're in your younger years. Now, did you like ever go back like a few years ago and rewatch some of his bigger matches, some of the storylines, and just to kind of you know get a different take on all of it? Oh, definitely. Like at the age now, like when I first started getting in to the business even to now i still go back and watch those matches just because i i like re-watching them i like one of the main matches that people ask me what made me fall in love with wrestling mm-hmm. i would say the very first match that i remember was Shawn michaels and steve austin wrestling at wrestlemania 14 mm-hmm. i think that's like the first match on the tape and like you remember it by seeing you know part of the things they were doing in the ring and well it's just like oh yeah ghouls and steve uh, just beating each other up and like going back and watching it in a perspective now knowing what Shawn michaels is going through and knowing everything leading up to it it's like gosh <laughs> they did a lot just to get into that point mm-hmm. especially like, you know, the stuff with him and Taker that whole year, like, that spanned out, like, eight months or six months of that whole year was Steve and Taker just taking each other on, even with Kane in there, mm-hmm. too. Yeah, no, definitely. So, I mean, obviously, Stone Cold was a big influence on you wanting to get into wrestling, to become mm-hmm. a wrestler yourself. Yes. I would definitely say that <laughs> from like being a toddler, being the toddler to the younger kid age to like, you know, just starting up in the school when, you know, elementary school, when he had to kind of retire and fall out a little mm-hmm. bit, I, he still was my favorite wrestler. Just, you know, he was doing the segments and everything and you kind of around with who you like then and everything like that. But that was when, um, my cousins introduced me to John Cena, you know, when he was doing the doctor thugonomics and all that. Yeah. So I gravitating more to him too. So I would say after Austin, it was definitely 
John Cena, but also the undertaker. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The undertaker definitely has longevity for lots of, you know, fans of wrestling, people who got into wrestling. A lot of people look back at what he was able to do and his career as influences on them. Mm -hmm. Um, So you, you know, they kind of start you on your path to get into wrestling and you trained at black and brave, correct? Yes. How did that all come to be? And what was your experiences like there? Because I know up here in Canada, a good chunk of uh, Canadian wrestlers were trained at Landstorm Storm Wrestling Academy. And you are the first person I've talked to who was actually trained at Black and Brave. So I wanted to get your thoughts on all that. So basically it started like, you know, I didn't know if I could become a wrestler at all. Mm-hmm. It was like, you know, small town Iowa boy. But turns out like uh, Seth Rollins, he 30 minutes from my hometown. <laughs> So then I was like, maybe I can do this. Then I heard about Blackberry Wrestling Academy later down in like 2015, mm-hmm. my senior year of high school. And I was like, that would be cool to get into. Stone was when Rollins won the belt at WrestleMania 31. Yeah. Because that was the main point that was like, if he can do it, why can't I become a wrestler? Why can't I go out there and, you know, do what everyone else is doing out there? It kind of, it really inspired me to do that. So then sure. after I graduated, I put an application in, go through the application process, tell them kind of what you're athletic in or any of that bout. And then you, you get the email back. You have been accepted. You have 30 days to make your first down payment. Then you have till your first class to make the rest. Yeah. I'm super excited. But then I was like, oh, shoot, I got to make my first down payment now. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm doing a whole bunch of overtime just to make the first one. Used a bunch of my graduation party money from since I graduated 2016 I used all that money to put straight into wrestling school. Then I worked a lot of overtime to get in that second payment. Then January 2017 comes around. Now, first night, it's a little nerve-wracking because you don't know what to expect. Yeah. You hear a whole bunch of stories of how everything goes. Um, Me and a whole bunch of guys go in there. Some of the guys that are pretty well known, like Manders, uh, Dion Roosman, and you know, uh, there's a couple of other talents that I can throw in at Jason Paul. Jason mm-hmm. Paul, well, he, me, and him graduated from the same class. Uh, we got in there, and there was just some type of aura. It's so quiet. You got head trainer Merrick Brave there, assistant trainer Crotch there. You don't see Rollins anywhere yet. Then you see a whole bunch of the other, you know, grads and everything. And all of a sudden you hear that door open to that gym. There he is. <laughs> mm-hmm. Walk right in. And then you're like, you see a look in his eye. You're like, oh, man, we're going to get put through absolute hell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we got put through about three and a half hours of workouts. Okay. A lot of them were team built workouts. Some no really individual ones, 
the one individual workout that was there was a death by burpees. Mm -hmm. So, and we did that twice, but yeah, there be surprised. There was one person I quit that night, but I think there was only, there was only three people that quit from our class. Mm-hmm. And which that, that that was a big deal because for some reason everybody recognizes our class as one of the you know one that's come from it. And I'm like, you know, I think I don't know if we were the biggest class or not. I think we were like five years ago actually. So mm-hmm. it was a little while ago with that. But, you know, like, Mania 33 was happening, too. So, like, Rollins was getting ready for his match with Triple H. Then he, you know, he tore something in his knee again. So, he had rehab for that. So, then we had to just train with our trainer sometimes. So, he wasn't always there all the time, as he usually is now, because he's always there. Like, Mm -hmm. He's not at Raw or any traveling. He's usually there. Um, for that time, he was rehabbing just so he could make WrestleMania, mm-hmm. which was crazy to see that process too. Oh, I, I bet, especially when you're you're. I mean, you're seeing firsthand what he's dealing dealing with, going through just to get to that spot and putting in that work, putting in the rehab. It's got, you know to see that it almost has to be inspiring in a way just to see the dedication for him to get through it. Yes. Like, like, you know, some people have certain things they would say about him. Like, you know, since he was like a local like guy, I'm finding out a lot of people that I talked to around here knew him back when he went to like high school in this area. And mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, really? And I'm Oh yeah, man. He was, he definitely loved wrestling then and he's doing it now. And I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, yes. He's <laughs> And they're like, Oh yeah. I, just, I remember how he was back then. It's like, yeah, he, he's very chill. You know, mm-hmm. he just, you know, he's just a regular person like all of us mm-hmm. and just got to treat him that way because, you know, we all we all like being people, not always being celebrities. <laughs> exactly. I think uh, at sometimes, you know, like you almost have to remember that they're you know human, just like all of us, and you know they need their private time, their personal time, and it's something I think you know people need to remember once in a while. Yeah. Well, how long after your training at Black and Brave before you had your first actual match? Well, um, after we graduated, mm-hmm. there was a black and gray battle royal they were going to do at one of the biggest events they were going to do at the time in a place called the Legendary Call Ballroom in Davenport, Iowa. And mainly it's legendary because Johnny Cash, uh, Elvis, you know, you know, all these big talents that played there. Um, it was a little battle royal. It was like probably two minutes long. Then they had some of their uh, legends of their promotion jump us 
But my first official singles match about two weeks after I graduated, mm-hmm. and I didn't even know I was wrestling. <laughs> I got to go, and then they're like, "Hey, Thumb, did you bring your gear?" And I'm like, "Of course I did." All right, cool. You're gonna work a guy named Johnny Wisdom tonight. You know, like if I got told that now, my nerves wouldn't be that bad. But first mm-hmm. match, I go from being um to like, oh god, what do I do? I've never <laughs> done this. This is good. You know, just the twenty questions piling up to like, okay, what do I do? Yeah, you know, you. I've never been in front of a crowd to the point that I can do my character work and all this to connect with anyone. So Mm -hmm. am I going to crap the bed or am I going to go out there and put on a very good show and have people be like, yeah, I, I can see that guy coming back. You Mm -hmm. know, it's it's definitely nerve wracking. So we got into the match and it turned out it went way better than I thought it was going to go. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I'm still around, <laughs> but I'll, I've also had time to build on to what I had then, because I can tell you my gear from what I started to now has evolved like completely. I went from wearing an actual pair of overalls, just cutting the leg pants sleeves out. Mm-hmm. It looked like a singlet to actual like wrestling tights now (laughs) so you know not only has your in-ring work improved since you started but your gear has as well yes (laughs) back then i was just being i was just like well i never originally came up bestowed upon me and at first i was like what the hell is you know like you kind of like can i make what am i supposed to do with this but Mm -hmm. then i eventually started using it and it started kind of so after times i've been going by and trying to figure it out i started working some you know thumb things in there Mm -hmm. and it kind of gravitated more to like okay but then like eventually like when i was like actually wrestling i was just taking old wwf wwe like moves completely like i did my own knockoff of the scotty too hottie worm mm-hmm. and you know how he goes forward i went backward <laughs> <laughs> so i I was doing it, but I was going backwards in the ring, so I had to like turn sideways mm-hmm. just so I could do it and do all the woo woo woo. You know, yeah. People never really bought into it because I wasn't daddy too hotty. You mm-hmm. know, so really just kind of finding your footing and seeing, like, taking almost but influence from those. That's usually what works. Mm-hmm. yes like at first when you start you're kind of like oh i need to be this way oh no i need to be this way you know like people really wanted to see me be more of like i wouldn't want to use the word comedy but like entertaining to the point that you can make people laugh yeah. in wrestling but 
I was like, oh, come on. I don't want to do that. You know, I was really reluctant on it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Jared, the Jared outside of wrestling was reluctant on it. But when I went in, I did it. And mm-hmm. over time, like, when I did it, I even had fun. I don't know why I had really much problem of it. But it took a couple of months of, like, doing – you know, that type of entertainment just to like have it be like, this is fun, you know, Mm -hmm. type of deal. Like 2017, definitely all of that. But, you know, like, did you know um, 2017 I had, you know, been working a couple of months Mm -hmm. with wrestling and figuring it out, but my path got completely a roadblock in it. And I got diagnosed with, uh, stage two B cell lymphoma. So I, I had heard about that and I was hoping that you could share, you know, how you found out about that and just the, the struggles that you had to deal with, with that, because I know a lot of people now, I mean, myself included, we have, you know, family members, loved ones going through those same struggles. So I think, you know, talk about what you went through can almost shed some light for others who might be in the same situation. Yeah, I I I don't mind sharing my story at all with people because I feel like the way it happened, like it couldn't have happened at a better time in my career, mm-hmm. but it also couldn't have happened at a you know a time you don't want it to happen. Yeah. So like, you're bringing your fake, you have to slow it down now because you have like a disease that could kill you, but. How it happened was I was wrestling a match out in Indianapolis, Indiana. Mm-hmm. And we were on the outside. It was a scramble. The guy, uh, Jason Paul, it was him. Me and him were like a tag team for about three years, but we were working each other in a scramble match against each other. Um, I use this expression because it's the best explainable. The 98 SummerSlam taker, Austin, where Taker flips his hair up and clocks Austin in the jaw. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we're on the outside. Jason has this long patch of hair. When he had long hair, he goes up to flip his hair, hits me right under the chin. Mm-hmm. And whoo! But then we had to catch another dive, but that's what started it. Like, but then I started getting swelling in my face. And I'm like, what is going on here? Because I had swelling up here first. Yeah. And I was like, did I break my jaw? I still talk. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really want to doctor about it because I'm like, I don't really, I didn't have insurance at all at that time. Because mm-hmm. uh, uh, the place my parents were working at, they couldn't get me on insurance and all that. But so we're, like, you know, waiting it out. Two weeks go by. It's still there. And I'm like, I, I think we just need to go to a doctor. Yeah. We go to the doctor. He thinks it's a sports-related injury. But a month goes by, and it got bigger. And then there was another spot coming in. So then he went ahead and did a CT scan, and then we found out what it was. It took about two and a half months just to figure that out. And I was still <laughs> wrestling. So I was wrestling. You know, still sick, but not knowing it. Yeah. And once we found out, um, the treatment process 
trying to find the right treatment process and place to go was difficult because uh, Iowa City has a really good program, but, you know, Children's Hospital and some elderly people, they didn't really have a spot for me up there because, I mean, I live about an hour away from Iowa City. They wanted to see if I could go to Rock Island, which is about 30 minutes Rock Island did not have any spots, but they could put me on a list, Mm -hmm. which my family, when they heard those words, I'm not going to lie. They were pretty pissed off when they heard list, like Mm -hmm. put you on a waiting list like that. And I'm just trying to figure out what the hell to do because, you know, I'm just like, I don't really know what to do. I'm just kind of along for a ride right now. And I, it involves me. Yeah. But my grandma, she took it in her hands and called St. Jude's down in Peoria, Illinois. Mm-hmm. And this is about October at this point, And it's been going on for since July of 2017. So we get down, uh, they call it up and tell them to bring me down. So my parents like, okay, let's bring him down and come to find out that very day they were going to admit me in the hospital. Had no idea, had no backpack or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't really prepared, but everything kind of like at this point started hitting you all at once because they tell you other things that could possibly not happen. Some of the things you got to kind of do. That's where it really started to hit me pretty hard. Mm-hmm. Like there couple of days where I went into kind of a depressive zen emotion so I was kind of sitting there like wow I mean my life right now is going to shit Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's kind of felt it was like well I don't you know because like in back of my head I'm like is my time up you know because I didn't know the severity of it and they said it's extremely curable and all that but it's still that thought because it's cancer and yeah a lot of people die from cancer in a year Mm -hmm. you know there was fear but Mm -hmm. after they started giving me the treatment process and everything there was a day where everybody left the room you know and kind of let me i be i guess i wanted the mirror that day for about 30 minutes just stared at myself and then at the end i said i don't care what it's gonna take but i'm gonna kick cancer's fucking ass mm-hmm. i'm gonna get back in that ring <laughs> and that's exactly the words i said mm-hmm. and you know that would have fire right under me right then and there and then that same day got a port put in my chest i don't know how well we can see the scar right there yeah i can see cut it it open put a port so they put a port in they put a tube down my jugular here you can't really see that scar very well um they did a spinal tap that day too and they took pieces of my bone marrow out of both my hips Mm -hmm. and that was really uh two and a half hour surgery 
but you know, they did all of this. We're starting to get into the treatment. And the most inspiring part about the treatment was, uh, you know, you have your fans yet. You hadn't, I hadn't been around very long, but I still had a big support system just from this. So like, you know, the people that have seen me already, we can't wait to see him get back in the ring. Yeah. And um, going back to, you know, going back to Rollins being a good guy, he, uh, he didn't have to, but for one of the independent shows that, you know, our trainers runs SCW pro uh, he put together a uh, charity basket with signed pictures of Seth Rollins stuff and all of that. And all the money went straight to me, mm-hmm. you know, like, he didn't have to do that, but he did that for me. So I like, sure. back for him is really big. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, it's very unexplainable because I didn't really think something like that. But yeah, two and a half months and uh, I got into remission really quick. Mm-hmm. Like, this year I got right into remission and they were very surprised how quick I beat it mm-hmm. and all that. And it definitely had a lot with the support system I had, but it mm-hmm. also had a lot of how well I took care of my body and, you know, just, I didn't really dwell on it very much at that point. I just, you know, I really just, went balls to the wall and just had to suck it up and go for it. Well, you had mentioned one thing and you, you had said you didn't really dwell on it. And I think that is, that's, that's huge because I think it's almost like when people see the kind of uh, mindset you have with it and they see like, Oh, you're in good spirits. You, you want to beat this and fight it. It's uh, they see that. And it's like, they're going to come around around you more and they're not going to be like, you know, more sad and down on your luck. It's, you know, they see how you're feeling and they're like, yeah, you got this. You're going to fucking kick its ass. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, I, I going back to the Jared thumb thing, like one thing that I always knew Jared thumb at that point is always pop about everything in his life. And just when that happens, sticking my thumb up in the air and I don't care. You know, it's mm-hmm. like that scene from Terminator 2 when he's going down in the lava and he has his thumb up. Yep. It's just like that. And I just like I will I always told myself I wanted to inspire people any way I can. Mm-hmm. And I knew if I can go into this good spirited and do this and I can inspire people by this and tell people they can do anything they want to do with their life. If they Mm -hmm. put all the work into it. And I took that situation as I can do this. I can do anything I want, you know, Mm -hmm. after dealing with that, after beating cancer, going into remission, what were your feelings when you stepped foot in the ring again for your first match back? Well, um, so 
funny. This is going to another story. Um, <laughs> so when I found out it was gone, we had this event called the Prestige Rumble, which is our version of like the Rumble. Um, so I wanted to return in that, but I still had the port in my chest. I got told I couldn't do the rumble. Mm-hmm. However, this there was this next event, and it was called Genesis. Set I wrestled my last match called Ballroom in a scramble, and uh, the last match that I did there was. It was good, but I didn't want to end it on that note. The event had uh, Joey Mercury versus Jimmy Jacobs and I quit match the show any way I could. I was like, yeah, absolutely. And I returned to the six-man tag. It wasn't exactly the best match, but, Mm -hmm. you know, the moment meant the world to everyone. So, Mm -hmm. like, no one knew I was there. No one knew I was going to be there. I think that's what made us, for me, there. But none of the actual fans knew I was going to be there. And when I came out, you know, like that pop, I I actually had a tear go down my eye just going to the ring. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, got into the ring, walking around. And it was like, oh, yeah, now we got to wrestle. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I didn't really do too much. But. I knew after that night and having that support, I knew when I made my full-time return, oh, I was going to take it by a whirlwind any way I could. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Well, you make your return and then, you know, everyone had to deal with it, but the pandemic hits. I know with uh, CEW that you guys were doing some very innovative stuff with Power Slam. And I I think that that's really... I think it really says a lot for just being willing to do something different and still be able to put wrestling out there for people to watch. Yeah, absolutely. Like um, the way power slam came about. So I made my debut to CW like legit the month the pandemic hit mm-hmm. right, right closed down and I was in a match for, a tribute match to Rosie. Uh, you know, he was down there for their shows and they asked me if I wanted to be in that match. Uh, Austin, he, he really liked what I did in that match and asked me later on, like, we're going to do this power slam. Do you want to be a part of it? Mm-hmm. And uh, said, absolutely. You know, it, he presented the idea and we got, four guys together it was originally jt energy rory fox tim rhodes and me so we came together for power slam and you know the process was really difficult just to figure it out because you don't have an audience to broad brand anything together and you kind of have to figure out how are we going to make this episode matter and this episode matter? Because it was a span of four different episodes mm-hmm. out in the weeks and taped. So it was really, it was different.
definitely. I wasn't on the first episode. Um, they did. I was on the second, made my debut against JT Energy. And JT Energy and I, we said <laughs> this, it was 2020. Me and him from 2017 to then probably had worked each other into the double digits mm -hmm. probably by then i would say we we wrestled each other a lot in there with him for my debut in power slam and then you know figure all out to get into the season but now we find out and win the central empire wrestling tag team championships technically my second appearance mm -hmm. in cw was a crazy thing because I always thought I was like, man, I'm I'm kind of the new guy here. I have to build my name. And then I got kind of put into the spot. And I'm like, man, that that's crazy. It, it was really – Austin put a lot of trust into me into that. And I took that as a big respect thing. Mm -hmm. You know, I have a lot of respect for him. I'm grateful for him definitely mm -hmm. for doing that for me. And I continue to give him respect and do all these other shows for him too. Um, but Power Slam first season was very, very strange. But after we saw the positive feedback to it and everything, we had people hooked and we didn't really, you know, we didn't tell people you need to pay this to see it. We put it out as free mm -hmm. and we wanted, if people make donations, they could. And people made donations and they donated $500 oh, nice. to our product. And that paid, yeah, that paid the editing, that paid the crew, that paid us, you know, and it wasn't just us putting it together. It was definitely the audience that was showing their support just for us to make mm -hmm. that possible, which made season two possible. And when we got into season two, we just, we kind of like, uh, let's do something different. Not so much wrestling this time. Main event will be wrestling, but season two, we didn't have Tim Rhodes. He, you know, he dropped from there, but we had to figure something out then. We got interview episodes. <laughs> so the first one's Rory, second one's JT Energy, third one's me. It just so happens to air on National World Cancer Day. Mm -hmm. And I share my story on the third episode of the second season. But we've been doing watch-alongs and kind of talking about how the match is and everything, how you're feeling in the match, what's going on, yeah, you know, all of that. Yeah. But JT Energy in this episode and breaks my thumb. And it, like I said, it was on National World Cancer Day. Mm -hmm. Now you want to talk about getting, getting heat and getting, you know, your bad guy role mm -hmm. up there. That instantly got him way more hated by a lot more audience than he was already. Then we got into the last episode and it was the triple threat for the heavyweight title and then Amy and Saint gets introduced in the mix. Mm -hmm. So a lot of build 
to finally introduce Damien Sane. The four of you, I mean, you and Rory yeah. and Damien and JT, you guys have had quite the feuds over the since then, haven't you? Yeah, I I mean the last show we just did, I have a poster here. That's uh they became a tag team and that's for the tables match we did. Mm-hmm. Um well we, they became a tag team and they faced us, but JT Energy wasn't even in the mix for a while. He's kind of Doing his own thing, fighting off people from his heavyweight championship. Saint had been chasing Rory Fox for a while to get inside of his head, pick him apart, you know, because that's that's who Damien Saint is. He's gonna pull out those inner those inner monsters and make mm-hmm. you, you know, kind of second guess yourself a little bit. Yeah. Me, I'm kind of still building myself up here and one of the main things I think that really solidified that match was uh, last year in November, it was uh, Saint and Rory faced each other in a singles match. And JT Energy makes the run in. I come in, make the save. And me and JT Energy, I had my first heavyweight title shot main event. And what really solidified me that night was that match. Mm-hmm. Like we went about 30 minutes, but that took me from just like, I don't want to say it like I was just Rory Fox's partner. Like I was a good guy and people liked me for that, but I felt like I built myself into like, this guy can do this by himself too. And I have to thank Rory too for like, you know, always giving me his advice and, mm-hmm. you know, coach me on where I need to be right and wrong because he's been in the business for a while too and real old school mentality and seeing all the evolutions and, you know, with him being my partner, it definitely helped with mm-hmm. like teaching me more of what I can do and how I can branch into not only myself, but connect with the audience and how do I. For yeah, sure. Like, oh. yeah, you, you really get the, uh, with teaming with him and being around him, you can really almost like pick his brain and get advice on a constant basis to better yourself. And, you know, like just to always keep improving. Exactly. Like that's, what I like to do when I have someone that's been in this business for a while, mm-hmm. if it's same thing with seminars, you pay your money and you go sit down and do a seminar with any superstar that's around and you pick their brain, you hear their stories and you kind of figure out your situations and what they think that you can do different or what, that piece of advice you can take from them to apply to your wrestling ability. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. it. I really like hearing the stories and just, you know, hearing straight up from people. This, this right here, it was good, but it can be a 
bit stronger if you just act like A and B was really good, but if you put C and D, it can be X. I encourage everyone to check out the tables match, which is up on YouTube. Um, but also you had a feud with Jason Paul. I mean, from training, he's been a big part of your career. You guys had a feud with SCW Pro. There's matches up on YouTube as well, which I encourage everyone to check out. Let's talk a little bit about your feud with Jason. All right. Um, so we have to start from the beginning here. So we graduated from the same class, 2017. Uh, they didn't exactly know what they wanted to do with us back then. Mm-hmm. But Jason originally made the pitch to uh, become a tag team with me because we did – he used to do a whole bunch of stupid bits on his Snapchat. And I I thought they were pretty dumb. He called them <laughs> – um, talks or whatever for me they're called thumb talks now because some when i say some stupid nonsense they get it goes right on the internet but he would post me on his snap there and he wanted to be a tag team with me and we teamed with each other in 2017 Mm -hmm. um then came down with my cancer diagnosis um in that time, actually, he took a day out of his, you know, schedule to visit me in the hospital, you know, because, you know, tag teams can be work, but it can also be friendship or brotherhood. Yeah. So he visits me and he says he's looking forward to seeing me back and all that. Uh, 2018 rolls around, make my return with him in the six man tag. March comes around thumb and finger because he was jp finger before he was jason paul Mm -hmm. and um we make our return and people were super excited to see us back 2018 we're doing our own thing we got a tag title shot we lost guerrero and she basically reversed the decision and that's what made us lose our title shot, which was a pretty cool moment. Then 2019 rolls around. Uh, Muscatine, Iowa is my hometown. We're starting to run shows in Muscatine, Iowa. Mm-hmm. Jake from a uh, little town around the area. It's about 20 minutes from Muscatine. It's new Boston, Illinois. Uh, you know, our trainers come to us and are like, yo, do you want to sell tickets for the show and bring a draw? Absolutely. You know, we're going to bring a draw in the Mustine build this um, with another local wrestling legend around this area. His name's Latin Thunder. Um, you know, with all three of us, we're going to bring a draw to Mustine. Mm-hmm. Bring the draw in first show, got it done. It was amazing. We come back months later, me and Jason have a tag title shot. We get the big one in our, in my hometown, 20 minutes from his hometown with our big draw roof goes off, you know, Mm -hmm. just, whoo. We lose the tag belts, 2020 hits. This is where it starts mainly, but it, it started back when we got together. This is where 
March comes around. Well, it's actually the leap year. It was February 29th. Uh, we lost in my hometown. We lost tag title shot. And, you know, we're getting up. Man, I'm sorry. Saluting the crowd. He has a hold of my arm. And pulls me in and clotheslines me in front of everyone. And people are like, what the hell? Mm -hmm. Start beating on me and everything. Um, So, also, he gets a chair. A little thing people don't do anymore. He gets a chair, clocks me right in the head. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right in the head. This chair shot. Whew. I, I watched it back earlier today. I was like, that was a really hard chair shot. <laughs> no wonder people thought people thought I was legit bleeding. Like they're mm-hmm. like, I'm surprised you weren't bleeding, man. I was like, oh, I kind of got my hand there, but didn't really do much. Yeah. <laughs> it was a good, it was a good chair shot. But I was doing a gimmick with the Jared Thumb thing then uh people they still do it to this day they say happy birthday to me every day except for my actual birthday (laughs) so jason started that he puts a chair in the middle of the ring he picks me up in front of everyone this is birthday bitch and then he Death Valley drivers me right mm-hmm. on the chair. I get carried out. People are, it got quiet because nobody thought it was going to happen and they were sad. And we were going to have a good feud. Then the pandemic hit and kind of like, oh crap, what do we do here? But, you know, uh, we started running shows again a little bit in 2020 um, when. They were outdoors, obviously, because mm-hmm. you couldn't do indoors. Um, we were supposed to wrestle each other in a singles match, but did you hear the story about the, I'm probably going to say it wrong, but the Derecio? No. Okay, so there was this big storm that hit. Iowa and it just hammered us. The winds went up to like I think 120 miles per hour. No tornadoes, nothing. It basically was a hurricane in Iowa. And it just so we that show where me and him are gonna face each other for the first time in months since that moment got canceled. Mm-hmm. And then they had to schedule and then um we went to the drawing board and we're like, what are we going to do now? That's where the concept of use the thumb family farm comes in. And, and uh, we're getting ready and everything. We're trying to figure it out. The thumb family brawl comes in. He, he's coming to my home. Mm-hmm. He wants an apology for the three years of work. I said, I'm sorry. I have to whip your ass right now. And I, we beat each other. We beat each other up so badly. Like we had cuts everywhere. It was, oh, 
um, hit each other. Well, we broke my dad's trash can. He's still <laughs> pissed to this day about that. <laughs> like legit, he he yelled at. Me. He's like, "That was my trash can, you you asshole!" I'm like, so <laughs> we beat each other. <laughs> man i'm sorry (laughs) we beat each other up you know around this whole ground Uh, there's there's a part in this where it's not supposed to make any sense at all but thumb and finger was the one duo that didn't always make complete sense but that's what made thumb and finger work Mm -hmm. We have this guy named Cornboy. If you watch that part, he's like, what's up, man? How you doing, man? And you can legit see us like, what the hell is this? Like, and I came up with that idea just because I thought it'd be funny. Mm-hmm. Um, we get in the barn. He falls off a whole bunch of bales of hay. And we were trying to figure out, what are we going to cap this off with? We have... One of my cars that's completely, you know, just not going to run again unless you put a jump box on it. And they're like, Jason, how do you feel about falling on a car? And he's like, oh, Mick Foley is one of my, one of my favorites. So I'll definitely do it. <laughs> I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> so... We're getting the car in place and everything. Put a ladder up. So we're already brawled through everything. And then I throw them off my throw them off the roof of the garage. And you don't see Jason Paul for months. For months. He's not back in SCW. For a while, I was like, this is going to make Jared Thumb look like he just committed a murder. <laughs> Pretty dark. But then I got paired into a, I got paired into another tag team with a guy named Buck Brewster. I don't know what he's up to now. I think he works a lot. But come to find out, Jason Paul is coming back. We're having another must-teen show, and it's going to be a uh, – restaurant in town that everybody knows it's the brew and me and him are gonna fight each other in the street fight mm-hmm. and i'm like okay sweet it was gonna we knew automatically what we were getting ourselves into we were gonna beat each other up really badly and man i'll tell you Somebody told me buy kendo sticks for that match. I regret that completely. <laughs> All those things. Oh, like that match. That match with the story build of it, you couldn't get any better than that. Mm-hmm. Hit each other up really badly, hit each other with chairs, kendo sticks. We fell in the thumbtacks. And there's a sign that literally said, Jason and Jared, please bury your differences, not each other. 
I saw that because sign hanging people up. People still love thumbing things. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, they have it up. But, you know, we basically beat each other up so badly to the tar of like, you know, we shouldn't be able to move very well. Mm-hmm. And I didn't go to work the very next day because <laughs> I was supposed to. I was like, I'm not going to work after that. No, mm-hmm. hell no. But, you know, that's kind of the feud. That's where it kind of ended. But recently, he wrestled SGW Epic Night 1, mm-hmm. which was a couple weeks ago. Um, he cut a promo. He mentioned me. I'm there, but I'm not wrestling I'm just kind of, you know, observing. Yeah. Mention me. The fans automatically start chanting, we want thumb. We mm-hmm. want thumb. And then we have a Titantron screen or, you know, a screen where we play video. He plays yeah. the video of me throwing him off, him off my roof about 10 times and people are losing their shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then automatically in my head, I'm like, I think you can get another match out of this. <laughs> I think there's something more we can do to get another match out of it i don't know what it is but i don't know i just feel like there's more money to be drawn from it too for for me and jay well i'm excited to see what you what you two do next with that but uh, i i'd be amiss if i didn't bring up because i know that uh you were at this year's wrestlemania you got to see stone cold wrestling how excited were you for that? Well, when I knew Austin was coming, I was like, it's going to be in Dallas. Steve is obviously going to be a mania. But then you start hearing the dirt sheets and the rumors. Stone Cold Steve Austin might be wrestling a match. And I'm like, there's no way. Mm-hmm. There's no way he's going to wrestle a match. But then Kevin Owens called out. And I'm like, oh, now, now we might need to go. Mm-hmm. So I'm talking to my parents and everything, and I'm like, yo, like, Steve's going to be there. Very next day is when Steve released his promo. And I'm like, oh, man, if it ain't going to be an official match, he's coming to whip some ass. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. So then we automatically were like, you know what, let's go. You know, we went, we drove uh, 13 hours, long drive, but, Mm -hmm. you know, totally worth it. And the sights were beautiful. We get the night one of Mania, like, just because I'm like, it's been on my bucket list to attend to WrestleMania. Because mm-hmm. Super Bowl professional wrestling, like you don't get any better than that. Night one of Mania was so unbelievably like it, it was amazing. Just like from you know, the start was the tag match. I didn't know Boogs actually got hurt. Yeah. But you know, they had a good match, but then you know, I was enjoying all the other matches. Becky and Bianca come out, 
And then you have Rollins and the surprise return of Cody Rhodes. Mm-hmm. I, I'd be, I'd be pretty stupid to say if I didn't, you know, kind of fan react to that. That of course, I, I was like, dude, like I said, that's gonna be the biggest return in wrestling history of this decade because mm-hmm. that's a one you didn't think would happen. I know Ronda and Charlotte wrestled, mm-hmm. but you know, I mean, it was an okay match in my opinion, but I thought, but then you get to the Austin Owens, they played that whole promo package in the stadium. People are just watching when Kevin Owens is on there. When they start putting Steve on the Titan John, the stadium's already going nuts. Mm-hmm. You like, they don't play that on the network, but this place is like, yeah. And like, there's times where, as a wrestler, you can turn your wrestler mode off and just be a fan. Yeah. I did that for Mania. And when I saw Austin, I'm like, yeah. you know. <laughs> and then, you know, we're reacting and everything. And you get into the actual thing. Uh, Owens comes out. And I'm like, okay, when's this glass going to shatter? When is this glass going to shatter? And I have the recording on my phone because I'm like, I, I need to just be able to remember this, like, not just from, like, you know, witnessing it, but remember what it sounds like in that yeah. stadium. Because, like, you know, waiting there in anticipation, then all of a sudden, boom, jump out of your seats and, oh, I was ready. Look, I'm getting goosebumps talking about it right now. Like, mm-hmm. it doesn't get any better than that. Well, so they get in the ring, in the ring and they're starting, you know, starting to work. And, you know, St- Steve doesn't need to do much. Mm-hmm. He's sitting there and he has this look and he's like, you dumb son of a, if you're talking about Texas in the wrong way, I'm going to whip your ass. Yeah. But I would be reminiscent if I didn't say Kevin Owens calling a four-wheeler a golf cart kind of made me like, what in the hell, man? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, my, the inner country boy was like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> but then when Steve was like, oh, I'm going to rest, you know, he's starting to hint towards it. Yeah. But one part I thought they were going to censor on the network that instantly got me super excited when he says, if you want to see Stone Cold Steve Austin take on this lousy sack of shit, give me a hell yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, dude, I was like, this is really happening. This is really freaking happening. And when it started happening, oh, man, I, I didn't think I would ever witness that. But I was just so happy to be there, uh, especially night two. Night two was amazing. I will say night one when he came out was awesome. I didn't think he would be there night two. When he came out of night two, same fan reaction and everything. And I still thought that Vince McMahon stoner couldn't have gone. Any worse, <laughs> any better than that. That I was laughing 
ass off that mm-hmm. happened. But uh man. <laughs> you know, it, it's that really it's really something yeah, special like, when you can finally see, you know, one of your heroes in the ring wrestling. Yeah, like uh, I can tell you, like back in 2001 was my first live show. Mm-hmm. I saw Steve Austin wrestle back then when he was a heel and he wrestled Kane uh, for the WWF title. Mm-hmm. You, you know, the only thing I remember from that is Steve Austin retaining the title because when I, I was a kid and I was scared shitless of Kane, I was crying the entire time he came out. Because <laughs> that was when the house had pyro. So mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was like, my God. And that was Kane freaking massive, like Kane back then in his 01 gear. Like, mm-hmm. oh, God, that man was a monster. But, you know, witnessing it as an adult and knowing the business and everything from that to that point, it's almost like I can't say anything about it because, like, I didn't think you could really bring this side out of me again. Mm -hmm. But the fact that it came out just shows, like, how much I love this business still, like regardless of what happens i love everything that happens in it Mm -hmm. now for those listening i mean um you're wrestling for scw wrestling for cew where can they see you coming up if you have any upcoming shows uh this saturday night uh depending on when you post this one it'll be Uh, out for saturday so okay so saturday night april will be the 23rd uh, Iowa City, SCW Pro, I'll be there. The match has not been announced, so I'll, but I'll be at the show. Mm-hmm. Um, April 30th, I'm going to High Voltage Wrestling in Hinkley, Illinois. And I'm wrestling a guy named Nicky Von Gavin. He's a bit newer, but he graduated from the same school as me. So I, I caught a promo on him recently, and <laughs> uh, people are loving it because they're like, oh, my God. <laughs> uh, June, June, CEW. It's Rip Studwell, Saint, and Big Bad Wallace versus me, Donnie Pepper Cricket, and Bushwhacker Luke. Perfect. That would be amazing. Mm-hmm. And for anyone who wants to follow you, whether it's Twitter, anything like that, where can they find you on social media? On Twitter, it's just at Jared Thumb. Mm-hmm. And Instagram, it's at Jared underscore Thumb. And I'm also on Facebook as well. Perfect. Jared, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you for having me. Thank you so much to Jared Thumb for joining me on the Grainmaker Wrestling Podcast. Check him out on uh, up on his social media. He rattled off quite a few dates that he's going to be a part of. So grab your tickets for that. SCW Pro, CEW, making a name for himself out in Iowa and the Midwest. So just keep your eyes open for him. Thanks again to him. Thank you for checking out the podcast. I truly appreciate it. I will always say it. Thank you very much. Um, If it's your first time listening, you can find me up on Twitter at GrainmakerPod. You can, we can talk wrestling up on there. Shoot me a follow. Let's, uh, let's talk about the biz. Um, 
email graymakerpodcast at gmail.com. You can send all your questions, comments, concerns there. Up on Facebook, Grainmaker Wrestling Podcast. Uh, all podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcast, Google Podcast. If there's a podcast platform it's not up on that you want me to be on, just let me know. I'll do my best to get it up there. And t-shirts. Uh, if you go to whatamaneuver.net, search Grainmaker Wrestling Podcast, you can grab your very own Grainmaker Wrestling Podcast t-shirt. Um, half of all profits is being donated to Ray Winnipeg, Resource Assistance for Youth Winnipeg. It's a local nonprofit, so I thought I would help out and donate some money there. So yeah, half of the profits is going there. If you aren't in the 204 Manitoba area, grab your shirt there. It'll get sent right to you, and just know that you're helping support a good cause. If you are in the 204 area, um, hopefully... Today or tomorrow, I'm getting an email about the shirts done locally. They're supposed to be ready this week. So fingers crossed, locally, I'll have them and we can uh, link up and you can uh, grab your own Grainmaker Wrestling Podcast t-shirt. Look very fashionable and uh, help support a good thing. So thanks again for checking out the podcast. We'll talk soon.